Awesome. Okay. So just to continue off, um, we're rounding out the end of the Pentateuch. Feels like it took forever. And it certainly must have for the Israelites. Um, and so here we're going to have the recounting of Moses' death. And you see sort of Joshua take his place. Um, and then we're going to have the book of Joshua and what happens afterwards. Uh, Maxwell, feel free to read uh, and pause after uh, you finish Deuteronomy. It's Deuteronomy 34, by the way. I don't know if you caught that. Super short. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah, there you go. All right. A reading from the book of uh, Deuteronomy, chapter 34, the death of Moses. Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Mount Pisgah, east of Jericho. And there the Lord showed him the whole land. The territory of Gilead is far north as the town of Dan. The, ter the entire territory of Naphtali, the territories of Ephraim and Manasseh, the territory of Judah as far west as the Mediterranean Sea, the southern part of Judah, and the plain that reaches from Zoar to Jericho, the city of palm trees. Then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land that I have promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob I would give to their descendants. I have let you see it, but I will not let you go there. So Moses, the Lord's servant, died there in the land of Moab, as the Lord said he would. The Lord buried him in a valley in Moab, opposite the town of Bethpeor. But to this day, no one knows where the exact place of his, of his burial is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. He was as strong as ever, and his eyesight was still good. The people of Israel mourned for him for thirty days in the plains of Moab. Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with his wisdom, because Moses had appointed him to be a successor. The people of Israel obeyed Joshua and kept the commands that the Lord had given them through Moses. There's never been a prophet in Israel like Moses. The Lord spoke with him, with him face to face. No other prophet has ever done miracles and wonders like those that the Lord sent Moses to perform against the king of Egypt, his officials, and the entire country. No other prophet has been able to do the great and terrifying things that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel. Okay. So, I want to point out just a couple things from the passage and then reiterate as briefly as possible what we've read thus far. I mean, with the entirety of the Pentateuch. So, one, you see the importance of Joshua's role, him being filled with the spirit of wisdom um, and the laying on of hands, the ordination by Moses. It's so important that you see that um, because it shows that now Joshua is the visible head of the people of Israel. Um, of course, God the Father, right, is the head of Israel, he's right, their father, they, they enter into this covenant so they become the children of God, right? Um, through adoption. However, them repeatedly breaking the covenant has led to separations, right? And I'll go into that in a bit. But the last thing in this passage that I want to highlight is this expectation of you know, even at the time which this was added later, of course Moses did not write this himself, at least this chapter. Because this is the account of his death. 
However, when people wrote this, there was still no prophet who fulfills that which was dated all the way back in, uh, stated all the way back in Deuteronomy 18. A prophet, um, a great prophet will come. That prophecy that will later be known as the prophecy of the, the Messiah. So, from the beginning, God wished to have his covenant with Adam and Eve, right? And they failed. Sinful world ensures he sends the flood. Continues, sinful people all about. He, has, he finds one, Abraham, who he guides and leads and promises the promised land and so on and so forth. Then you continue with Isaac, Jacob, and then the 12 tribes. Jacob, who is Israel, right? Um, the 12 tribes then come about. They're stuck in Egypt because that's where Joseph, um, one of the younger members of the tribes, uh, of the leaders of the tribes, um, had an imminent role in Egypt. Um, then in time, the following Pharaoh kind of mistreats them. They end up becoming slaves. They get scared of them. Moses liberates them. They get out of the promised land. And now they're free, right? And they still sin and rebel against God. Idolatry, fall away. You have the covenant at Mount Sinai. You have the Passover meal. You have the manna from heaven. You have all these things that happen. So they're journeying. Throughout all this journey, they're moving forward towards the promised land. And then you have this ultimate climax in the next chapter when they're going to prepare uh, Joshua, the next book, to enter into the promised land. However, throughout all of this, there was constant betrayals, constant rebellions. And so God's commandments got stricter and stricter and stricter. And so there's, a, there's different laws in the Deuteronomic Code that were simply allowed. So the permission of divorce is one. Um, the centralization of the cult, right? That you can only worship in one area. Uh, this is, the foundations are laid, laid out here in Deuteronomy. The permission for a king is allowed. The command of total warfare against the Canaanites. This was not how it was back then. And the permission to marry captured foreign wives. All these different things find their culmination here in Deuteronomy. But without further ado, let's get out of the Pentateuch. And Max, whenever you're ready, bro, feel free to read Joshua. All right. A reading from the book of Joshua, chapter 1. God commands Joshua to conquer Canaan. After the death of the Lord's servant Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses' helper, Joshua, son of Nun. He said, My servant Moses is dead. Get ready now, you and all the people of Israel, and cross the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. As I told Moses, I have given you all and all of my people the entire land that you will be marching over. Your borders will reach from the desert in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the great Euphrates River in the east through the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Joshua, no one will be able to defeat you as long as you live. I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will be, always be with you. I will never abandon you. Be determined and be confident. 
after who will be the leader of these people as they occupy this land which I promised our ancestors. Just be determined, be confident, and make sure that you obey the whole law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not neglect any part of it, and you will succeed wherever you go. Be sure that the book of the law is always read in your worship. Study it day and night, and make sure that you obey everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Remember that I have commanded you to be determined and confident. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you go. <clears throat> Joshua gives orders to the people. Then Joshua ordered the leaders to go through the camp and say to the people, Get some food ready, because in three days you are going to cross the Jordan River to occupy the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Joshua said to the tribes of Reuben and God and to the tribe of Manasseh, Remember how the Lord's servant Moses told you that the Lord your God would give you this land on the east side of the Jordan as your home. Your wives, your children, and your livestock will stay here, but your soldiers, armed for battle, will cross over ahead of the other Israelites in order to help them until they have occupied the land west of the Jordan that the Lord your God has given them. When he has given safety to all the tribes of Israel, then you may come back and settled here in your own land east of the Jordan, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you. They answered Joshua, we will do everything that you have told us and we will go anywhere you send us. We will obey you just as we've always obeyed Moses. And may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever questions your authority or disobeys any of your orders will be put to death. Be determined and competent. So right away from just this first chapter, you can see there's significantly um, a lot of the events described in these opening chapters of the book are told in such a way that the reader can hear echoes of similar events in the life of Moses. So the commissioning of Joshua to lead the people out of Israel is the first nine verses. And then we'll later see um, uh, Joshua in chapter two, he's going to send spies, right? into Jericho to stake it out. And you'll see different uh, differences between Joshua and Moses. And while Moses remains the prominent figure and everyone holds Moses as a high regard, Joshua in some cases can be seen as you know superior to Moses in that um, when he sends the spies, as we'll see, um, there's, there's no issues that come about. He seems to right some wrongs that Moses had um, and we'll see that as we progress through the rest of the book. But I just want to address the question: uh, Why did Reuben, Gad, and half tribe and the half tribe of Manasseh want to live on the east of the Jordan? Uh, well, simply back in Numbers, um, they they said they would like to build pens for livestock and cities for the women and children. Um, and so Moses at first was like, "No, you can't do that." because he thought that they were trying to get out of helping them conquer um, the promised land, right? And so they say, no, uh, but we will arm ourselves for battle and go ahead of the Israelites until we have brought them to their place. And so that's what this is uh, reiterating here, the second half of the first chapter of Joshua, is that, okay, their land is beyond the Jordan River to the, um, to the east, 
of the Jordan River, right? And that's where they'll be staying. Uh, however, they're going to help still conquer uh, that west of the Jordan River for the, the their brother tribes. Uh, and the, the main reason for The main reason for that would be um, because they had cattle. Uh, they had a lot of cattle, and they needed they had a they wanted to, they needed to occupy a lot of territory. So that's why that would take place. Um, if there are no questions about anything we've read thus far, uh, feel free to come and read Proverbs. Oh, and also just real quick, um, look for. A verse that stands out to you it doesn't matter who just uh, try and get at least one or two and i'll try and expound upon it verbs 27 do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what the day may bring let another praise you and not your own mouth a stranger and not your own lips a heavy stone a a stone is heavy and the land is weighty. But a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming. But who is able to stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Well meant are the wounds a friend inflicts, but perfumes are the kisses of the enemy. The state. The sated appetite spurns honey, but the ravenous appetite, even the bitterest sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is the one who strays from home. Perfume and instance makes the heart glad, but the soul is torn by trouble. Do not forsake your friend or, or the friend of your parent. Do, do not go to the house of of the kindred on the day of your comedy better is a neighbor who is nearby than a kindred who is far away be wise my child and make my heart glad so that i may answer whoever reproaches me the clever see danger and hide but the simple go on and suffer for it take the garment of one who has given surety for a stranger Siege the pledge given in surety for, for foreigners. Whoever blesses a neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted by as cursing. A continual dripping on a, on a rain day, on a rainy day, and con continuous wife are alike. To restrain her in the restrain the wind, or the gas. Grass oil, grasp oil in the right hand. Iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens the wits of others. Any, anyone who tends a fig tree, who eats its fruit, and every anyone who takes care of the master will be honored. Just as water reflects the face, so one human heart reflects another. Sow and, aban and abandon are never satisfied and human eyes are never satisfied a crudible is for silver and the furnace of for it is for gold so a person is tested by by being praised crush a fool in a 
more tar with a pestle among with the crushed grain, but the fully will will not be driven out. Now, now, well, the condition of your flock and given attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever, nor a crown for all generations with all with the grass and gone. The new gro- the new growth appears, and the rubbish of mountains are is gathered. The lamb will provide your clothing, and the goats of the prize of field. There will be enough goats' milk for you, for the food is your of your household and nourishment for your servant girls. Any verses stick out to you guys? You can send it in the chat. Perfect. Let me see. The first one. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what any day may bring forth. And this, I, I think it should call to mind very quickly, the one gospel passage where Jesus tells us not to worry. Um. He alludes to the birds, the birds of the air. They don't worry about where they get their food. The, the flowers dance and don't worry about how they get sustained. You are much greater than the birds and the flowers. How much more were our Heavenly Father who through adoption, through the power of the Holy Spirit at baptism, you've become his son. You're his daughter by the order of grace. How much more would really take care of for, for a while diving deeply into my faith? Um, and on some practical, you know, like I work right now because I need money, but if my faith was big enough, I know I could just spend all day, you know, either studying or maybe going out and trying to evangelize someplace or, I don't know, uh, volunteering to help the needy or something, you know. But realistically, I mean, I have bills. But, I mean, Jesus wasn't just saying, hey, don't worry about stuff. I got you. No, he, he was saying that. Like, don't worry about stuff. I got you. Um, and there's some practical level. There's a that we have to take, right? Um, there's that famous story of the guy who, uh, there's a big flood and, um, the neighbor's like, Hey, I got a, I got a boat. Come on, let's go. And he's like, no, God's going to save me. Policeman drives by and another boat says, come on. And he's like, no, God's going to save me. And then another guy comes in a helicopter and says, come on, you got to evacuate now. You're going to die. He's like, no, God's going to save me. And then boom, the guy dies. He's like, God, oh, why didn't you save me? He's like, dude, I sent you two boats in a helicopter. Um. So we got we do have to play our role there, but in some sense, you know, I think of Mother Teresa. Say Mother Teresa. There was one story about how uh, she was volunteering at a food kitchen, and there was no food for the for the homeless people, and everyone was freaking out. And they're like, "Mother, what are we gonna do? I forgot. To, I messed up. I forgot to go get the food." And she's like, "Don't worry, God will provide. Just say a prayer." And literally a couple minutes later, some guy knocks on the door, having a whole bunch of bread. 
to give them. It's like that kind of faith, you know. Um, truly, it's just having that dependency on God about no matter what, and we truly should, even if it's as tiny as what am I going to eat? Turning to God and be like, hey, God, help me out. It, it may sound kind of dumb, pizza or burgers, right? Whatever. But no, that, that shows true childlike dependency on it. It's dependency on God. Think about it. When, when you were a kid, you'd be like, Mom, what game do I want to play? Or, Mom, should I have the red lollipop or the green one? You, you'd go to your parents and you'd ask them what to them may have, may have been like kind of silly questions. But you had the dependency on them to know that you could trust their judgment in anything. As you got older, it was like, Mom, what should I wear? Dad, what should I wear? Right? And your your views kind of changed. And you grew a sort of independence from your parents. And that's natural. But we should never grow any independence from God in any way. And we should have that childlike dependency on him always. So that we don't worry about the future because it will come later. Worry about now. But even then, don't even worry because God's got you. Have that faith in him. Moving on to the next one is verse 12. The astute see an evil and hide. The naive continue on and pay the penalty. Essentially, what does this mean? We can turn real quick, jump back to Proverbs 22.3. Virtually the exact same verse says the wise see dangers before they're engulfed by them whereas fools through dullness or boldness march right on so growing up my father's number one rule in the entire house don't put yourself in a stupid situation growing up he would say if i'm going to a friend's house he's like and what's the number one rule and i'd be like don't put yourself in a stupid situation right so many times I had recited that over and over again. It was like a second creed and it was annoying, but I can't count on my hands or my toes. The number of times I was about to do something really stupid that saying rung in my ear. And I, I, I remember what dad said, don't put yourself in a stupid situation. There's no need to, you go looking for it. You're going to find it. So the wise, they see the evil and they hide, right? The naive continue on and they pay the penalty. So don't put yourselves in a stupid situation. There's no reason to. You should only seek the good. And that which is good is definitely not that which is stupid or dangerous or harmful in any way. <sighs> if there are no questions about anything said thus far, we can go to jump to the Acts of the Apostles. So here we are in chapter 5. Verse 1, it says, A man named Ananias, however, with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. He retained for himself, with his wife's knowledge, some of the purchase price, took the remainder, and put it at the feet of the apostles. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart so that you lied to the Holy Spirit and retained part of the piece of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain yours? And when it was sold, was it not still under your control? Why did you contrive this deed? You have lied not to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down, breathed his last, and a great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young man came 
The young men came and wrapped him up. They carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in unaware of what had happened. Peter said to her, tell me, did you sell the land for this amount? She answered, yes, for that amount. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the footsteps of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. At once she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young man entered, they found her dead. So they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Okay, so right off the bat, it can seem kind of like, what? What happened? Um, so it's real simple. We got to backtrack, actually, to chapter four. What happens at the end of chapter four? Well, you can see a couple of things. You see the life in the Christian community. The community of believers, this is verse 32, Acts chapter 4, was one was of one heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of his possession was his own, but they had everything in common. With great power, the apostles bore witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great favor was accorded them all. There was no needy person among them, for those who owned property or houses would sell them, bring the proceeds of the sale, put them at the feet of the apostles, and they were distributed to each according to need. Thus Joseph also named by the apostles Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite, a Hypriot by birth, sold a piece of property that he owned, then brought the money and put it at the feet of the apostles. So I want to just highlight a couple things that I just think are really awesome. Uh, one, notice the community of believers are of one heart and mind. Okay. So what does that mean? It means, primarily, despite that we're in a Catholic server and they're Protestants and some of those Protestants love to claim that the church is the universal body of believers and we gotta stop with the division. That would simply be wrong. Right here St. Luke tells us the life of a Christian involves believers, a community of believers of one heart and one mind. Meaning doctrinally they share the same things and in heart they have the same disposition to love Christ and follow Christ. So while Protestants may have the same disposition, maybe even more than some of us Catholics, to love Jesus and follow Jesus as best as they can, as best as they can in their own state in life, they are not of one mind with the one church that Christ established. They'll have different doctrines, dogmas, and understandings. So having the Catholic Church, Protestants, Eastern Orthodox, as Christianity, the Christians, right? They're not one church. They can't be. St. Luke tells us they have to be of one heart, which in some sense we are. We all profess love for Christ, but we're not of one mind. We do not all share doctrine. And that is a mark, that is one of the marks of the true church. Lastly, I just want to point out, I've mentioned it before, with great power, the apostles were witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great favor was accorded them all. Um, a better translation is, and great grace was in them. And so in all of scripture, only two or three people total are mentioned as being full of grace. One, Jesus. Duh, he's God. The God man. Two, Saint Stephen, the martyr. He was filled with God's grace at the moment of his martyrdom in order to endure his martyrdom. So he was thus full of grace. And Mary, on the other hand, is full of grace. 